Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. I wanted to pause in light of the news and, and the, I mean, gosh, let's just let's just say it, the social media, <laughs> that's where most people get their news, but there's so much talk and rhetoric and narrative that's spinning around, and I just wanted to pause and talk about our response to what is happening in our world. I'm not going to do it every week. I'm not going to do it every time uh, something happens or something is said, but I do think there's times where we need to pause and reflect on what scripture says and find our true north in him and in his word, and that's what I plan to do uh, today. But as we open the Bible, I just want to pray r- real uh, simply because we want to focus on God and on his word. And so real quickly, Father, we thank you for your word. I pray today that these would be your words and not mine. Help, us, help me to stay focused. Help us to stay clear on what you're asking of us in this season. And that's what we ask for in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm calling this message Responding to COVID 2.0. Responding to COVID 2.0. You may not remember this, but in December of 2020, I put out a video, and in that video, I made a comment, and I wasn't trying to be like prophetic or anything like that. I just simply said, as I looked into the camera, knowing that many of you would be on the other end of it, uh, that things are going to get better. That's what I said. Things are going to get better. I said it with a smile on my face. Things are going to get better in 2021. And it was not some uh, prophecy, misplaced prophecy, God told me. It was just, I think things are going to get better. And you know what? They did. Come on, they did. You may not feel that way this morning, but they did. <laughs> things got better. And, uh, but you know, what I didn't say and what I couldn't know is that they wouldn't necessarily stay better. <laughs> okay? I didn't give a time period, people. And, and I want to say that um, as we enter into with, with, with more mandates and um, really more unknown, having the, the Delta variant of COVID, no matter where you land on this, having that surge and our government and nations of the world responding to this, the media is consumed with this. Uh, let's just not pretend. We're all focused on, to, to, to a degree, we all have a, an investment into following the, the, this story, and it's a part of some of our stories, of course, and especially as a church. It's affected everybody in this room to a degree in some way or another. And so for some of you, what I'm about to share, you might say, Ben, you didn't need to do that. I'm going to do it anyways. So, And for the rest of you, I'm hoping that there would be something in here that would really help us to have our bearings in the word of God because I don't personally think that COVID's gonna subside the way that we thought it would. I don't think COVID's going away. Okay, that's just my opinion and you can disagree with that part of this message. But I would rather prepare the people of God for the next chapter in the season ahead of how we respond biblically because here's the thing, I don't possess a prophecy of what the years are to come in terms of our, the natural world that we live in the viruses that we're facing, the mandates, uh, our jobs, our families, our school system. I don't possess a prophecy about that. I don't know. I, I've got no crystal ball, all right? I don't have any, any of that, and neither do you. And I think a lot of times we're, we're hoping things would just get better and change, and what ends up happening is we have to inevitably look at God's word. And in God's word, what we do have, 
Although we don't possess the knowledge of the future, we possess the knowledge of our response to whatever the future is. The word of God is the knowledge of our response to whatever comes. And we have to remember that as the people of God. And as we gather together today, we're going to look at his word. And I want to give you four solid biblical responses to the next chapter that we are facing. Come on, responding to COVID 2.0. And the first response is very simple. And that's what we must reaffirm the Bible as our ultimate authority. We must reaffirm the Bible as our ultimate authority. Throughout the last season and even still, the question that comes to me often, and maybe you ask it or maybe you're asked as well, is what are we going to do in light of this? Or maybe the other question could be, what are you going to do in light of this? I get asked that quite frequently. And it's never sat well with me because the real, and this is why, the real question is what does the Bible say about how we respond to this? That's for a Christian, the real question is, what does the Bible say about how we respond to this? We may not be happy. Uh, Some don't care. Some are not very happy at all about some of the things that are coming out. But the question is, how do we respond to it? What does the Bible actually say? And that really is the, the Christian question. But there are things in life that interrupt uh, our, our patterns of life, sickness, transition, obviously the pandemic, and it affects us deep, deeply. And often what comes out initially is our feelings are first. Our feelings are real, but they're not always right. Our feelings matter, but they're not always the way that we should respond. The second thing that happens is our opinions come out, and our opinions come from whoever we listen to. Whatever, whatever is the typical radio station that we're plugged into or the social media accounts that we're following or the news uh, stations that we're listening to, whatever the, as forming our opinions kind of tend to frame up our initial responses. Wrong or right, that's how, how, it, how it happens and, and those change over time. Often also the way we respond is our experience. We pull from what we know whether that's negative or positive. We, we all come to where we are today based on years of experience, things that we faced and responses that we've given to those things. But let me just tell you, often our experience is not enough for the things that we're facing today. Because if we've not been through a situation that we're presently in, our experience might inform and it might help and it might aid what we ought to do, but it won't fully inform. We've got to reach deeper than we've ever reached before. And that's what I want to present to you today. We have to reaffirm the Bible as our ultimate authority. It can't be our feelings. It can't just be our opinions. It can't just be these news sources that we're getting. It can't just be the government. It has got to be God's word every single time. And no matter how long it might take us to get there, ultimately we've got to land there. The apostle Paul wrote very specifically about this in his letter that he addressed to a young pastor named Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We usually quote verses 16 and 17 to talk about how all of God's, all of God's word is profitable and useful for teaching, but it, it is God's word. All scripture is God's word. We usually quote that, but we don't often look at what precedes that. What are the verses that lead up to Paul saying that to Timothy? I think that's very relevant for us today. And here's what he said in verse 1, 2 Timothy 3, but realize this. That in the last days, difficult times will come. Everybody say, will come. come. You're in those times. For men will be lovers of self, 
lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Oh, by the way, don't say amen yet to any of this. <laughs> All right, <laughs> just, just in case anybody throws out an awkward amen, not the time, not, not yet. It's coming, but not. All right. <laughs> I just don't want anybody to look at you strange, you know. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. You see why I said that. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. Think about that, irreconcilable. Malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness. Now, this is where you would say people that name the name of Christ or supposedly do. They represent God in some way. They, they have a, a form of godliness, although they denied its power. And to those, he said, avoid such men as these. He's not talking about unbelievers that need our witness They need the words and the ways of Jesus demonstrated and proclaimed. He's not talking about them, but he's talking about people that are misrepresenting Christ in our world. But knowing that this would be Timothy's reality, Paul equips him with his posture, his position. If this is your world that's coming, Timothy, then you need to know how to stand. What what does it mean to stand? What What does it mean to hold the right posture? Well, Paul gives him that very clearly in 2 Timothy 3.14. He says, you, however... For you, continue in the things you have learned and, become con- and have become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, these scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now listen here. All scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired is theonoustos. It's, it's, it's uh, God-breathed. I want to say that to you. All scripture is God-breathed. It's not like God's not just like a, a creative that, that every now and again he feels like he needs to do a painting. This is God's word. It's the truth. All scripture is the truth. It's God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God or woman of God might be adequate, equipped for every good work. He tells Paul, or Paul tells Timothy, Situations are going to arise. Circumstances are going to be difficult. Your future externally is grim. That is what he delivered to Timothy. It's going to be hard. But as for you, no matter what happens on the outside, you need to be somebody that is anchored in God's word. Why would Paul say this to Timothy? I thought Timothy would know this. Sometimes when we say that to each other, we go, Ben, I know that. Ben, I know that. But Paul would tell you and he would tell me, you might know that, but you need to know that. You need to get that into your heart. We gather together so we can say it again and again and again. He said, as for you, continue in what you know. Continue in the scriptures. They are sacred. They are God-breathed. Why would he say that? Because when difficult times come and we're on the boat and the boat starts to rock, we grab a hold of other things that never stabilize us. We grab a hold of other things that don't strengthen us. We grab a hold of something that is next to us, close to us, informing us, but it's not God's word. And what I'm saying is when you come into a situation where you've never been there before, God is telling us that we've got to dig deeper than we've ever dug before. I want to throw out shovels to everybody today. I want to throw out a shovel to you. If you're digging deeper in the cultural narratives and the political narratives and the opinions of man, if you are digging deeper, trust me, you're going to get way more shaken than you need to be. 
If we're listening to other voices more than we are to God's word, I am telling you, I am warning our church, I love you, I am warning you, you will be unnecessarily shaken to your core. Don't think you're an exception, you're not. Don't think the years of you knowing God's word is going to sustain you in the days ahead, it won't. Don't think because you've been in church a long time that you've got enough to face what's coming, you do not. We have to stay close to God. We have to stay close to his word. It has always boggled my mind that when we get into a situation and a circumstance where we've never been, that that doesn't give us the shovel just to go deeper. God, I need to know what your word says. I'm gonna break out the concordance. I'm gonna study this issue. I'm gonna learn everything I can about the word of God. We go to books, we go to narratives, we go to podcasts, we go to so much stuff. And I'm not saying to do that is entirely wrong, but to do that first is wrong. To do that only is wrong. We've got to know what God says. When Paul looks Timothy, when Paul is speaking to Timothy, he's saying to him, this is God's word. This is God breathed. You're going to have situations in your life you don't know how to face. And friends, I'm telling you, you don't. Don't be overconfident right now. I've seen too many good, godly, Bible-believing, Christ-centered people just fall off the rails. I've just watched it happen. And by God's grace, we won't. And we don't have to, amen, we don't. I'm not trying to inspire fear. I'm just, this is a warning of truth. Like it will happen. It happens to anyone who thinks that they're an exception. It just does. God's calling us to lay hold of his word and to affirm that his word is the final authority. And we believe that. That's actually the first doctrine of, of our church and of our movement. The doctrine of the authority of scripture. That's number one doctrine because from that doctrine flows everything else. What we believe about God, what we believe about life, what we believe about civic authority, what we believe about our sexuality, what we believe about parenting, what we believe about marriage. It all flows from what we believe about the word of God. So underneath every conversation that we'll have about every situation of life, it is always about what we believe about God's word. Because if we don't know our source, then what is our truth? If we don't understand our foundation, then what are we drawing from? If we don't know where to go, then we won't know what we need to. And just because we say we, we believe God's word does not mean we're digging into God's word to know it in the season that we're in. And I'm saying to you, our first and foremost response has to be, what does God's word say about how to respond to the situation that we're in? I, I believe that this is the fundamental issue. I've said it for years, actually, and I didn't really know what I was saying. I don't present myself as some prophet or anything like that, but I've said it for years, that my fear was that the church would subtly and uh, in, a, in, a sort of a, in sort of a trickle effect, they would lose the doctrine of the authority of Scripture and not even know it. And I'm talking about us. I'm not, I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about that church. Amen, I'm not talking about that person who I can clearly see just doesn't have the right life. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. How many good, godly, Bible-believing, Christ-centered people I have literally watched just fall off. I've watched it happen. All of them, every one of them thought it wouldn't happen to me, and it did, and it did. The word of God has these restraints built in. It's like guardrails on the path of life, and it keeps us on the road, it keeps us moving forward. But you remove those guardrails, guess where you end up? You end up in a ditch. You end up in a ditch. And when you end up in a ditch, let, let me just ask you, has any, have any of you ever driven your car into a ditch? Did you have a smile on your face when you got there? You understand what I'm saying? 
Was anybody happy to be in the ditch? I mean, what words came out of your mouth, Christian? What thoughts were in your mind? I'm sorry, what thoughts were in your mind? (laughs) What was the river coming forth? Was it God's holy river? What was happening? Did you call on God right then or did you call someone else? No. You reacted. When you're in the ditch, it's not a happy place. The ditch is not your happy place. Let me just tell you. It's not your secret place. It's not your sacred space. It is not the place that you should be. But you'll, you'll be in the ditch. I'll be in the ditch if I get away from God's word. 100%. 100%. Take heed lest you fall. Scripture would teach this again and again. The Bible equips us for every good work, every season we face. Are you digging into God's word in this season to know what God is saying about your and my response to what's going on in the world today? Are we asking that question? Are we digging into the word? Are we asking of God? We can't just ask of God in prayer and say, Lord, would you show me? Would you tell me? Right alongside asking that, we have to, we have to go to his word because his revealed will is in his word. It's, it's not just sort of this thing that we can we just go in the corner and pray, Holy Spirit, just give me a word. If we don't know the word, we're not gonna hear a word. You cannot even hear the Holy Spirit accurately without knowing the word of God specifically. You can't. So, so many times we'll just go, oh, Lord, I just want to know what your will is. God's like, here you go. There's a lot there that you haven't covered yet. There's a lot there that you haven't uncovered yet. And that's me too. I mean, I, read the, I study the Bible every day. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I feel like I've arrived. Honestly, it makes me more hungry. It makes me more hungry. It's like, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. What else do I not know? Oh, man. Responding with God's word. Number two, we must unite with our church family. The church of Jesus is a family of families. We're not an institution of institutions. We're a family. One of the best things the pandemic did for me, and there's a lot of negative, but one of the positive things for me is that I got a greater revelation of what the church is and what it's not. I saw the church as a family. I desire to draw closer to people. I realize that when we have differences and disagreements and, and those types of things are an invitation to draw closer, they're actually not a reason to isolate. I realize that. Now, I know for some, maybe as they went through the pandemic, they, they realize the person sitting next to them or at church they've been in a small group with, they don't agree with me. And so it's like, ah, peace out. I got to go find a group of people that think exactly like me. And you're going to be on a hunt for a long time because you won't even find a spouse that agrees with you all the time. <laughs> Have you ever heard this term, opposites attract? And then God laughs, you know, <laughs> in the heavens. Ha, 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 you know. <laughs> I always have this weird stuff go through my head when I do, uh, should I say this, <laughs> wedding ceremonies, I'm, you, you, we all need to laugh a little bit. When I do, I've, I've gotten to do a lot of weddings and officiate them, it's such a blessing, but in my head, I'm always like, once they say I do, it's like there's a, a little bit of a laugh in heaven, <laughs> just a little bit, just, just, just a I do, and the two shall become one. <laughs> With a ton of work, you know. (laughs) We just pat him on the back. God bless you guys. We're praying for you every single day. Welcome to 24-hour accountability. If you're single, you should just laugh harder (laughs) and pray more. I see you single people too. Just, Just pray more for the 
yeah. But I had a revelation that the church is family and, and it's given me a greater desire. I genuinely have begun to love God's family more than ever before. That's the truth. And I love that and I'm thankful for that. Well, look what Paul said in Ephesians chapter four to the Ephesian church, verse one. He says, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk, and he's talking to the church, not an individual, but the church, to implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Listen, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance or bearing with one another in long suffering, bearing with one another in long suffering for one another in love, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were all called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Paul wrote 13 letters to many churches that he started, helped start, or he had sons in the faith that started, or daughters in the faith that started as well. Paul wrote these letters. I would say 50 to 60% of the letters that he wrote, which is the majority of the New Testament, are exhortations to the body of Christ to stop doing something and start doing what they should do. I mean, if you just follow his letters along, you, at some point, let's just stop and reflect on Paul for a second. Man, what did that guy have to go through? I mean, he's like the parent of parents. He's like the apostle of apostles, and he's writing these letters like, could you guys stop doing that? And seriously, you need to ostracize this guy, but not forever. Bring him back in when he's ready. This person needs to repent, and I really don't understand why you guys are doing this. It's really about Jesus, and he, he goes on and on and on. He's pleading with the body of Christ to see each other, to love each other, to be humble, and to be gentle. Why? Because you and I, just like them, need the exact same message. Sometimes what happens when we are a part of a church, we come and we have very high expectations. Nobody's going to hurt me. Nobody's going to say anything they shouldn't. Everybody's going to say everything that they should. Every leader's going to be perfect. When I, when I became a Christian, I came into the church and I thought every leader was perfect. I think I had, it was about a good six weeks and then I was let down. But it wasn't because a leader sinned against me. It's just because they maybe said a, an off joke well, you shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, yeah, you probably relate to that though, right? You do that too. But there was just this weird, awkward, like, I thought you were perfect. I, in my mind, that's what I thought because I lived in the world and I, was, I knew how to do that. Now I come to the church and I'm thinking, nobody's, none of this is, bad stuff is going to happen to me and people aren't going to judge each other and they're going to love each other and all of that's going to happen. And I realize that this was actually just a place or a family where God's given us the same word and we can use that word to reconcile and to love and to heal. Where out here, I wasn't even concerned about it. Out here, I was just doing whatever made me feel good. And if I didn't like you, I cut you off and find somebody else. But in the church, we actually are supposed to work through our issues, reconcile and learn what love means even when there's disagreements. And that actually is the example to the world. In Romans chapter 14 and 15, Paul begins to talk to the Roman church and they now have Jews and Gentiles and the Jews and Gentiles have come back together at this time and they, they had hostility before that and Paul's really trying to negotiate with them and the love of Christ and, and ethnic harmony and all of that matters at that time. He's talking to them about coming back together and he's saying, you guys need to understand you're all in different places. Some of you are in discipleship level one. 
Some of you are in discipleship level three, and some of you are at level five. And the level five people should be more mature, which means they should actually respond more like Jesus Christ. But sometimes the people that think they're on level five are really on level two, and their responses to other people show it. They think their Bible memorization puts them on level five. But their Bible memorization is just for the purpose of them becoming people that know how to exercise those Bible verses when situations occur, particularly in personal relationships. If you were to go through the New Testament, you will find that a lot of what Jesus is calling us into to be Christ-like, the shaping environment, is going to be first the body of Christ and secondarily the world so that you and I are ready because we've been training in this place with this people so that when we go out there, we shine. And when we shine, people are attracted to Jesus in us because we've been refined and you all are the fire. You all are the furnace for other people sitting around you right now. But we don't want to know that and we certainly don't like that, but that's the truth. So Paul's pleading with the body of Christ and he's calling them to exercise humility and patience and gentleness. And look at this terminology Show tolerance for one another. That means to bear up with and to endure. Endure, uh, let's just face it, that word means longevity. That means that Paul is saying, you guys are going to have to stick to this for a long time. You're going to have to stay with the response. Not just, hey, I was nice. Hey, I did forgive. 70 times 700, I don't know. You have to stay, stay, stick to it. You have to stay true to it, faithful to it. And one of the ways that he appeals to the church is the reason that we can more easily grab a hold of these principles is because we also have sin in our own lives. And the person that is more aware of their own sin is more gracious to the person when they sin against them. And a principle that Paul would give to us is do not allow sin against you to produce sin in you. If you allow sin against you to produce sin in you, you're probably not as mature as you thought you were. It doesn't justify an unchristlike behavior. It just doesn't. And that's what Paul would say again and again and again. Of course, he gets that from Jesus. So practically speaking, let me ask you a question in this 2.0 season that we're in. Does our church, and I I believe I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask our church because I don't represent fully our church. You do. We do. Does our church have space and place for different views on masks and vaccinations? Okay. If the person next to you doesn't agree with your view, are you going to be okay with that and learn how to love them anyways? Because if you can't, I don't think you would end up staying. Because we're going to move down the road where we're going to practice this together. And I want everybody to be with me, but I won't control you. I can't. I won't, and I won't even try. This is, this is the reality that we're facing. If we want everybody to agree with us, say what we're saying, post what we're posting, believe what we're believing, if that's the kind of Christian community we're looking for, first of all, that's not, it doesn't exist. And second of all, if you have to find out the hard way that that's the truth, be my guest. I'd rather you not, and I'm warning you not to, as a good pastor, not as somebody who's trying to preserve or produce fear. I've got no intention of that whatsoever. But my greatest concern is that people go down these roads and six years later, six months later, find out that this was an entire waste of time. And it didn't make them more loving, kind, patient, evangelical, generous. They don't look more like Jesus as a result of it. And that's my greatest concern. 
Sometimes God calls us to a different place and to a different people, and that's a wonderful thing. Let him call you to that. But when we just start to treat the body of Christ less of a family and more of a commodity that can be discarded at any time when we just feel different, there's nothing healthy about that. And you know it, and so do I. And I don't want us to be a community like that. And right now, we're not, and we're not going to allow that, and we have to be in that together. We've got to unify around Jesus and around his word, around his mission. When we do that, we will stay clean and we will stay pure. But if we do not do that, if we unify around the loud voices in the culture right now, I'm not saying some of those things don't matter. I'm not saying we don't have opinions or views on those things, but I'm saying when that becomes our centerpiece, I guarantee you, you will find yourself isolated. You will. When we just prayed for our home mission, our homeless mission, there's a narrative out there. I read it. I read the Federal Way Mirror. I pray for our city. My family, we pray for our city. But in, in, in the news out there, it's like, oh, the homeless problem out there today. There's such a problem and the drugs. And, and, and it's just this fear. Come on, hear it. I'm, I'm saying it like this fear. Oh, you know, and it's just such a burden. Well, what do we want to happen? We want to just discard these people? Or do we want to reach them? That's what we're trying to do. We're saying, hey, we're going to do something on our property. I had somebody warn me and say, don't do it on your property. Don't do it on your property. If you do it on your property, you know, you know what's going to happen with those people. I go, those people? Oh, you mean the people created in the image of God that have a story and a name and people that we need to get to know that literally are landing strips for the grace and the mercy and the power of God? Is that what we're talking about? People that might have an addiction that can turn around, but it takes people like us to believe that? Or is that what we're talking about right now? Yeah, I read the newspaper. Was that person a Christian? Is there a narrative one that I'm going to believe? What does the Bible say? The Bible says people like Paul, who once were Saul, on their way to murder, imprison Christians, can have a turnaround. He's the God of the turnaround. I'm believing God. I'm not, we're not, this isn't, this isn't some misplaced optimism. Friends, we believe God. We believe in a holy, righteous, mighty God. That's who we pray, that's who we pray to. And so today, we've got to look at each other and, and unite around what matters the most. And what matters the most is, is him. We're going to have different opinions. You probably, many of you have different opinions than I do about vaccinations and masks. I haven't made it. It's not a political issue to me. I'm not saying politics don't matter or sometimes it doesn't transact on our political views and political spectrum. But what I'm saying is, is that we're going to have diff different views at times. And I think we could talk about those. Absolutely. With grace and peace. So let me ask you this question. How are you doing with disagreements? How are you engaging those? How do you approach those disagreements in your life? Do you label? Do you isolate? Do you push off? Do you discard? Do you stay away from? Or do you ask questions? Do you seek to understand? Do you want to know more? Do you want to learn more? And I, I say funny things all the time. I don't, I don't know. So half the time I walk off the stage and go, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm growing. Pray for me. <laughs> I just call Pastor Steve. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I'm, there's no excuses. I was about to make one and I realized that's not good. I don't, I just don't think I'm going to get to heaven and, and, and as I walk through the gates, the angels. Dun, 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 dun. And there's God on the throne going, hey, we're going to gather everybody around in the kingdom and we're going to have you tell me about me. <laughs> we were waiting. Uh, don't obscure what I'm saying. 
I'm not saying we can't know truth. That's not an agnostic pitch. What I'm saying is there are a lot of issues that are non-kingdom issues that we fight over that that aren't helpful. Okay, so we need to know our non-negotiables, right? And And we need to know the things that we can negotiate and we need to work out with each other and even allow for difference. tolerate the differences in each other. Don't tolerate people, but tolerate the fact that we have some differences, okay? We we do. We have them, and that's okay. That's absolutely okay with me, and I want to be a church where people feel that that's okay. There's not this underlying pressure that if you don't say what I want you to say or do what I want you to do, I really don't want you in my small group. I really don't want you in the class. I really hope you don't ask a question at the end of this class, I really hope that we don't have to end up in this group together where we're praying together. Like, I don't want that underlying, I want this freedom and this peace to emerge that is otherly. It's Jesus-like. Well, I'm not there, and, and, and I don't think any of us can say we are, but we can be on that path. The third response is we need to honor our governing authorities. Over the last week, we learned that our governor gave uh, an additional mandate. So tomorrow in Washington State, they're mandating that masks are worn in all indoor settings. And I think we've only had six to, or eight weeks where that was, uh, people could take those off at Costco or wherever. And so I'm sure that a lot of people are upset about that. Um, and I get it. I get it. We got our reasons for that. A lot of, a lot of you do. Some of you don't care. Some of it doesn't matter. In our church, we've never, whether you wear a mask or not, we've never shamed anybody. It doesn't matter. Like I, I've, I've been that way and and again, people have disagreed with me on my position. I'm not trying to be Switzerland. I'm not trying to mitigate the middle ground and make anybody happy. It's just where I've, I've been on all that. It's just the position that I've held. But we've tried to, in our church, honor governing authorities the best we can in a reasonable way. And I've got lots of examples I've shared with you. If you've been at our church a long time, we went through a lot. I remember the day where a six-page document showed up and said, if you're going to have a church service, this is what you're going to do. And I remember reading that going like, well, we're just not going to have a church service then. I mean, on, I mean, just being a thinking person, there's just no way we could do that. There was no physical way that some of those things could be done. And so no matter how we cut it, we had to modify in order to gather. And, and then that, that became weird because it only became about the gathering and not about the mission and all kinds of stuff. So we really went through a lot to go through all this, which I won't rehash. And you can go back into all of our archives of teachings and hear all the strange things that I said, apologize later for, and got straightened out later in my life. It was great. But I'd never been in a situation like that before, and neither had you. How you had to navigate family, and how you had to navigate being at other family members' houses, and holidays, and vacations, or no vacations, or school for us, those of us that, have, that are teachers or faculty members. But there's a, another mandate that's in place as well from Washington State, which from Como's report a couple nights ago is the, is the strictest or at least uh, second or third strictest mandate in the country right now. And that is all employees are of uh, state employees and also teachers and faculty members, that's private charter and uh, public schools are to get vaccinated. They must get vaccinated or face job loss. Now, I've been very outspoken about this. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that type of governance I, don't, I think there's one thing where you ask people to put something on their body. It's another thing when you ask people to put something in their body. I don't, I don't personally understand that in light of what we're facing. Now, you might agree with, disagree with what I just said there, and that's okay. We're gonna sh- I'm going to read that other part. You're going to show humility and gentleness <laughs> and tolerance 
a lot of good stuff coming out today. But I want you to know, I'm not against vaccinations. I'm not against vaccinations. I've been to a lot of different countries. I've got a lot of stuff going on in my blood right now, and I don't have a clue what it is. You know, there's floaties. They speak back to me sometimes. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm trying to lighten you up a little bit. I know. But I'm not personally against vaccinations. I am against somebody telling me that I have to vaccinate or I lose my livelihood. And so I want, I want to tell you today that if, if you have a job where you're being forced to do that, I just want to tell you, I see you. You may not need me to say that, but we see you. I've prayed with almost 15 people just this week alone who are good, godly people who are just not ready to get a vaccination for COVID. They're just not. And I think that it's entirely reasonable and I think it's fair. And, and I'm not just talking about people that are anti-vax. I'm just talking about people that just aren't ready. I think it is fair and I think it is reasonable. And, and I signed something yesterday and we should. We have legal due process in our country. I signed something and I sent it to our governing leaders for the special session. I did that. Not because I'm against vaccinations. And I made that real clear in my letter. I'm not against the vaccination. I'm not personally vaccinated yet. I had COVID. I might get vaccinated. I'm praying about it. That's my point today. I'm praying about it. Um, But I'm not in a position where some of you have to do it or you lose your 20-year job. I can't even imagine what it would feel like to have a job somewhere for 20 years, not be ready to get a vaccination, and be told you're going to be fired from a job you've been at for 20 years if you don't do this right now. I'm sorry that that's your reality. I am. I'm not trying to patronize you, make you feel bad. I don't know how to deal with that on your behalf. I just want you to know that we're here to pray. You say, well, Ben, how do I respond to this? Well, here's what the Bible says, and I'm I'm gonna try to do a decent job at this. I won't be able to solve your problems. Romans 13, one, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Paul says this to Titus. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2. He uses the word submit. Now, before you check out, let's read the Bible. It says submit. This word submit needs to arrange. It means to arrange in military fashion under a commander. So you have a sergeant and a lieutenant. It's my understanding, a lieutenant's going to be under the sergeant. They know their place and they know their rank. The, the, the person knows where they fit into this whole understanding of authority. It means to put oneself in an attitude of submission. But Paul did not int- intend for his readers to have total obedience at any cost. There are multiple instances in the Bible where they didn't follow that. Acts 5.29, I believe it was one where they were told not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they said, should we obey men or God? And a lot of times right now, because of the way some people are painting the situation, they're saying that we're in that time, or it's, it, we're, we're being told to disobey God and God's word. And people will ask me, what do you think? I think we need to do our best to honor governing authorities until we can clearly see that it's against what God calls us or tells us. That's what I believe. I believe there's some times where we've got to mitigate that. And, and, uh, but I think public health is one of those, this is a very difficult situation because if we throw off restraint, friends, listen to me. If we throw off restraint, how far is that going to go? How far is it going to go? So you and I have to live in the tension. So right now we have choices. If you're facing job loss, Um, They're giving a religious and medical exemption. Um, I'm not a doctor. We have some in the room. God bless you. Give us some advice on that. They don't have the microphone right now. But but if you need a religious exemption because you're not ready, I believe that it is a matter of personal conscience. And that is absolutely religious to me. 
I don't need a Bible verse in the scriptures to tell me that a religious exemption means that the Bible says never to get vaccines and I need to be against all vaccines or not just one vaccine. No, listen, all matters in my life are a matter of prayer and personal conscience as I live before God. That is absolutely religious as far as I'm concerned. And so we've, I put something on our website. If you need help with your employer, we cannot issue a religious exemption for you. That's, we're not doctors. We don't prescribe those. That's not how it works. You go to your employer. You tell them you want a religious exemption from the vaccination if you're not ready or don't want to do it. And you're just, that's just where you're at. And then if you need language for that, we put, I posted, we, we put something together. I posted it on our website. It's on our front page. If you, if you want that or if you need that. I'm just trying to help. I'm not trying to tell you to do this or not do this. What I am telling you to do is pray. I think everybody needs to pray to God because he's king. Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? That's the first thing that we have to do. Do you want me to get this vaccination or not? And some people won't have a piece about it right away and some maybe later. I would say 50, maybe 65%, 50 to 65% of our church is vaccinated. I mean, lots of us are vaccinated. Um, I don't, I've told you last week, it's not the mark of the beast. It's, I, mean, I mean, I'm just serious. Like, it's not the mark of the beast. It's a vaccination. But I, but I will tell you why we feel the way we do. It's because we don't trust. The reason that we feel the way we do is because we don't trust. And when you don't trust, you don't listen. And I'm not, I'm just saying, we're, like I was talking to somebody yesterday and we're, either you're on one side or the other or you're claiming agnosticism, not spiritually, but just in information. How can we know? The information's corrupt. Who can we trust? A lot of us are there. I can't get you out of that, friends. I, I'm a pastor. I can't get you out of that. I don't know. I, I, if, a lot of times people will ask me or they'll tell me, they'll say, Pastor, can I just talk for a second? Are you guys okay? Your kids are downstairs. Don't worry about them. They'll be fine. <laughs> Sometimes people will ask me and they'll say, Pastor Ben, don't you think we need to take a stand? And I always wonder what people mean by that. Because if we're not careful, we're moving down the road of anarchy. I'm, I'm all for religious liberty. We live in a beautiful, wonderful country where our freedoms have been hard won. I'm thankful for that. Our freedoms have been hard won and people don't want to lose those. And so we need to follow legal due process. We need to vote. We need to let our legislators know. We need to let our governors know. We need to let our senators know. We need, we need to get involved where we can. That's legal due process. We need to use the freedoms that we have. But I'm going to speak to you as Christians for a minute. If we have religious liberty in our country to just live a nice life and not to be missional people, why do we want it? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to pray about this. If you want religious liberty with this idea that you want your kids just to live in a free society, why? So they can be secular, pagans, make a lot of money, have a great life, and then what? What's the end game for us? What is our goal in life? What are we really after? These, these are the questions that we have to ask right now to inform our attitude and our heart disposition. When I read Romans 13, 1, it's not just about, okay, I'm gonna make everybody wear masks and be a good citizen. That's not the way that I read that. I think that's a petty issue in comparison to the heart where people become anti-government. And the manifestation of that is where if you're a Republican, I remember... I'm just being honest with you. I, I prayed about what I shouldn't say, but I remember people getting upset with us for praying for our president, our new president, President Biden, 
on the day he was inaugurated when we had a prayer meeting here. And we got on our knees and we prayed for our president and there were people that were mad. Friends, the Bible commands us to pray for all those that are in authority. And it is at that moment that we must recognize we are not people that believe in the authority of scripture and we've got to make the adjustment. It was a confrontation of what voice we're allowing to penetrate our soul. I was grieved. My heart's been broken over this. I'm, I'm like, how can we not see this? So people would say to me, Ben, don't you think we need to take a stand? What do you mean, take a stand? What do you mean? Take up arms? It's, you know what it is? It's fear driving us. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my rights. I'm, gonna, I'm afraid I'm going to lose everything in my life. Do you know what submitting to governing authorities is really about? It isn't about governing authorities. It's about believing God. Amen. Do you know how, if you read history, do you know how many wicked kings there have been in the earth? Why does anybody trust government ever? I mean, I'm a nominal student of history, and I don't think there's any government structure that I'll ever trust. And I, I know... I know <laughs> There are better forms of government. I, I, don't correct me at the email, please. I, I know. But when people's hearts are corrupt, they corrupt every system underneath them. And so there's this longing in us for this system and for these people. If you put the right people in place and you have the right system in place, then everything will be good. For what? There is one king that is perfect. There is one kingdom that is coming. There is only one way that Christians are really going to have their hearts fulfilled. And that is when we are absolutely surrendered to the person and the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And so... I've said this to people who have left our church, and I'm going to say it, I will say it for the years. If you want to, if if we're ride or die partners in the mission of Christ for the many years to come, amen, I'm with you. But if you're, if people are waiting for me to be this, take a stand for religious liberty, I'm not saying do, please do vote. Please do vote. That's legal due process. Let's do all that. But if our attitudes get crusty and religious and hardened, trust me, when we see people, we won't love them and want to reach them. When we go to holidays and, and vacations and we see family members who disagree with us politically or whatever it might be, we will not care, and, uh, care for them, love them, pray for them, and seek to reach them the way that we ought to. But when we're consumed with the mission and the ministry of Christ, I can guarantee you something. Our hearts will go after people. Our prayers will reach up to God on behalf of people. And we will be able to reach people that otherwise we would not be able to. This is where we have to go. Now, I'm not saying that I don't care about what's happening in our country, but I trust God more than I trust our country. I just have to say that. I mean, I trust the sovereign King of Kings. I trust the Lord of Lords. And I don't think prayer is some wimpy posture for a people that aren't willing to take up some cause. I really believe that when we prayed, we pray to the God of heaven and earth and God can actually do something about what we face. And I want to prove it to you because we just, we just prayed for Afghanistan. We just prayed for Haiti. We've got a friend in Haiti right now. How could we pray for Afghanistan and believe anything's going to change unless there is someone that is greater than all of it? Someone that is bigger than all of it. Someone that has more power than all of it. I mean, we have one of the most wicked regimes right now that's in power over Afghanistan right now. Why would we pray if nothing can change? You feel helpless when you think about Afghanistan? You should. Because in the natural, what, what, what are we going to do? 
And we're fighting over whether or not we should have pulled out and all that. That's, you, you can have that debate. I'm not in it, but you can have it. But the reality is we're praying to the God of heaven and earth. Amen. To, not, to not only remove people, but to transform people. That's our lot in life. That's the mission of Jesus Christ. And so my concern when we look at like submitting to governing authorities, we've made it just about the mask. We've made it about the, the in my view, sorry, the lesser issues and not the heart and not trust. Are we trusting God above it all? Are we, tr- are we trusting the Lord? Do we see God over everyone? Can God change things? Every time I start reading more down these roads and I start going more down these roads, it's like the Holy Spirit says, you can have some of that, but you can't have all of that. You've got to consume yourself over here with the mission of Christ. And he keeps this restraint in my life to keep coming back, to keep bowing a knee instead of just taking a stand. It's the powerful position that we are a missional people and not a militant people. And we have to stay soft-hearted or we're not going to win. Um. I've got a bunch of helpful thoughts in here for you. I, I don't have time to share them with you. I pray that my words aren't jumbled. I pray they're helpful. I, I care so much about our church. I desire for us to move forward and strong, for us to be united, for us to understand that submitting to governing authorities isn't just about some of the minor things, but it's really about our heart position to pray for and to believe God no matter what happens in our country, whether it gets worse or better or whatever, however we define that. I care about our freedoms like you do. Don't think I don't. Sometimes people will say, you just, you don't want to take up the fight. I take up the fight of the gospel. And sometimes I wonder, like the folks that think like that, they're not shoulder to shoulder in evangelism and prayer all the time. And it makes me concerned. Like what fight are we in? Say, Ben, it's not an either or. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. I was thinking about, um, and I'll close. You, you say, Ben, you got to close. I know. Um, uh, I didn't say everything I wanted to say, but God ministered to me recently about this issue of rest. I'm a, a, always a, a working. <laughs> I never stop working, right? You know, and, and, and I'm, I'm just admitting that, all right? So you could pray for me and, don't send the email, but I, I'm always working. I'm, I'm, I'm always doing something. And some of you are like me and, and, uh, the Lord really said, I want you to put in boundaries for your, for your rest on some issues. And so I, I have done that and I've stayed true to that. And, uh, and the Lord taught me something about rest. He showed me that one of the reasons I don't rest well is because I don't believe anything will happen if I do. It was an issue of trust. And he brought me into a place of trust where I want you to pray and then believe that I'm at work even when you're not. And one of the reasons, yeah, amen. One of the reasons, so one of the reasons why we need to stay off social media sometimes or we need to stay away from media and we need to stay off from, from working and we need to let go of things and, and invest ourselves into those places of deeply knowing God and and connecting with family and church family. The reason we do that is because we're trusting God together that he's at work even when we're not, that he's moving even with when we just, words are just going up to him. We just pray. It just, it's just funny, just words. God, would you do this? And he smiles on that and says, oh, you're trusting me. I like that. I like that. He just touches his fingers and something changes. We work for years and nothing happens. He's trying to speak to his church, I believe, in this season to help us 
trust him more above all kings and powers and rulers and mandates and laws and all that stuff that we're believing God, not being irresponsible in the natural, but spiritually we've, we've got we've to come to another place. And so I would encourage you today, if you, just spiritually speaking, if you're not where you need to be with the Lord, please, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, I get it, but you've got to channel that into your investment of your relationship with God. You have to do that. If you don't, you will end up angry and alone. You will end up angry and alone. And that's not okay for you, for me, or for any of us. Amen. Will you stand? Thank you for letting me uh, share a little bit more. Uh, We'll go back to the book of Mark soon. I had this picture of somebody today when I was praying and they were confused. And you were just sort of swirling like you were just... Uh, you couldn't stay long enough to see something clear enough. And you just felt like you were swirling around like this. And it it wasn't fast, so you weren't dazed and you weren't just, you weren't like dizzy, but you, it was, you were swirling around enough where you could never really fully focus on what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to think. It just felt like that in your life. I just want to tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to give you clearer direction so that you can stay stable and you can grab a hold of your direction. God wants to give that to you today, and I want to pray that for anybody that needs that. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that confusion is not from you. You're you're not only a God of order, but you're a God of clarity and direction. Your word says, I know the plans that I have for you. You're, You're not ignorant, and you don't want us to be ignorant about the plans. You know the plans. You know what's coming. You know what's going on. And you tell us, as for you, I want you to be invested into the word of God that gives the marching orders, that keeps us missional, that keeps us moving forward, that helps us to understand and to know your will and to stay true to it. And so I pray today, Lord, that where there's confusion, we ask that you would obliterate that from our life right now. If that means we've got to cut off sources and voices, show us clearly right now what we've got to do. Show us right now what we've got to do. I pray for a prophetic word from you to our heart in this moment in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that there would be personal revival in each one of us. That when we come together in the Spirit, it's like a bonfire. And that as we pray, we see lives saved, people's lives changed, transformed, disciples made. I pray that we would see healing and deliverance, signs, wonders, and miracles would follow people that are so consumed with Jesus. Help us to be those people. We are Jesus people. And Lord, as we're concerned about our country and we're concerned about decisions that are made and and those that are in power, maybe some of us more than others, I just pray that in the midst of that, we would not be negligent in our stewardship of natural things. Let us, help us to vote, help us to be mindful of all that we really need to do, but at the same time to trust you over and above everything else that we do because you're at work and we trust you ultimately to lead us to do what glorifies you, not just what helps us, but what glorifies you. Lead us as your church, we pray. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.